0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Dittman, Liverpool, United Kingdom. Web address mercurialspirit.co.uk From October to Brest-Litovsk by Leon Trotsky Chapter 19 Kerensky's Advance on Petrograd. The stronger the Soviet government became in Petrograd, the more the bourgeois groups placed their hopes on military aid from without. The Petrograd Telegraph Agency, the Railroad Telegraph, and the radio telegraph station of Starskoy Selo brought from every side news of huge forces marching on Petrograd with the object of crushing the rebels there and establishing order. Kerensky was making flying trips to the front, and the bourgeois papers reported he was leading innumerable forces against the Bolsheviki. We found ourselves cut off from the rest of the country as the telegraphers refused to serve us. But the soldiers who arrived by tens and hundreds on commissions from their respective regiments invariably said to us, Have no fears of the front. It is entirely on your side. You need but give the word, and we will send to your aid, even this very day, a division or a corps. It was the same in the army as everywhere else. The masses were for us, and the upper classes against us. In the hands of the latter was the military technical machinery various parts of the vast army proved to be isolated one from another we were isolated from both the army and the people nevertheless the news of the soviet government at petrograd and its decrees spread throughout the country and roused the local soviets to rebel against the old government the reports of Kerensky's advance on Petrograd at the head of some forces or other soon became more persistent and assumed more definite outlines. We were informed from Tsar Cello Selo that Cossack echelons were not far from there, while an appeal signed by Kerensky and General Krasnov was being circulated in Petrograd calling upon the whole garrison to join the government's forces which were expected any hour to enter the capital. The cadet insurrection of October 29th was undoubtedly connected with Kerensky's undertaking, only that it broke out too soon, owing to determined action on our part. The Zarskoy-Selo garrison was ordered to demand of the approaching Cossack regiments recognition of the Soviet government. In the case of refusal, the Cossacks were to be disarmed, But that garrison proved to be ill-fitted for military operations. It had no artillery and no leaders, its officers being unfriendly towards the Soviet government. The Cossacks took possession of the radio telegraph station at Tsar Koyselo, the most powerful one in the country, and marched on. The garrisons of Peterhof, Krasnoyselo and Gatchina displayed neither initiative nor resolution. After the almost bloodless victory at Petrograd, the soldiers confidently assumed that matters would take a similar course in the future. All that was necessary, they thought, was to send an agitator to the Cossacks, who would lay down their arms the moment the object of the proletarian revolution was explained to them. Kornilov's counter-revolutionary uprising was put down by means of speeches and fraternisation, by agitation and well-planned seizure of certain institutions – Without a fight, the Kerensky government was overthrown. The same methods were now being employed by the leaders of the tsarskoye selo Krasno-Selo and the Kachina Soviets with General Krasnov's Cossacks. But this time they did not work, though without determination or enthusiasm the Cossacks did advance. Individual detachments approached Kachina and Krasno-Selo. Engage the scanty forces of the local garrisons, and sometimes disarm them. About the numerical strength of Kerensky's forces, we at first had no idea whatever. Some said that General Krasnov headed 10,000 men. Others affirmed that he had no more than a 1,000, while the unfriendly newspapers and circulars announced, in letters an inch big, that two corps were lined up beyond Tsar There was a general want of confidence in the Petrograd garrison. No sooner had it won a bloodless victory than it was called upon to march out against an enemy of unknown numbers and engage in battles of uncertain outcome. In the garrison conference, the discussion centred about the necessity of sending out more and more agitators and of issuing appeals to the Cossacks, for to the soldiers it seemed impossible that the Cossacks would refuse to rise to the point of view which the Petrograd garrison was defending in its struggle. Nevertheless, advanced groups of Cossacks approached quite close to Petrograd, and we anticipated that the principal battle would take place in the streets of the city." The greatest resolution was shown by the Red Guards. They demanded arms, ammunition and leadership, but everything in the military machine was disorganised and out of gear, owing partly to disuse and partly to evil intent. The officers had resigned. Many had fled. The rifles were in one place and the cartridges in another. Matters were still worse with artillery The cannons, gun carriages and military stores were all in different places, and all these had to be groped for in the dark. The various regiments did not have at their disposal either sappers' tools or field telephones. The revolutionary general staff, which tried to straighten out things from above, encountered insurmountable obstacles, the greatest of which was the sabotage of the military technical employees. Then we decided to appeal directly to the working class. We stated that the success of the revolution was most seriously threatened and that it was for them, by their energy, initiative and self-denial, to save and strengthen the regime of proletarian and peasant government. This appeal met with tremendous practical success almost immediately. Thousands of working men proceeded towards Kerensky's forces and began digging trenches. The munition workers manned the cannon, themselves obtaining ammunition for them from various stores, requisitioned horses, brought the guns into the necessary positions and adjusted them, organised a commissary department, procured gasoline, motors, automobiles, requisitioned provisions and forage and put the sanitary trains on a proper footing created, in short, the entire war machinery which we had vainly endeavoured to create from above. When scores of heavy guns reached the lines, the disposition of our soldiers changed immediately. Under the cover of the artillery, they were ready to repulse the Cossacks' attack. In the first lines were the sailors and Red Guards. A few officers, politically unrelated to us, but sincerely attached to their regiments, accompanied their soldiers to the lines and directed their operations against Krasnov's Cossacks. End of chapter 19.